Good morning, guys. Welcome to another edition of the Inside the FLX podcast presented by FingerLegs1.com. I'm Josh Durso, and today we're talking about the fatherhood connection. It's a really interesting program that dives into making better fathers uh, and focuses here in Finger Lakes, Seneca County and some other counties around the area, uh, extending all the way to Rochester and Syracuse, are participating in this program. My guests today include Reggie Cox, Tracy Van Vleck, and Don Black. They're administrators here in Seneca County. Uh, Reggie is from the Rochester area, uh, but he is helping out down here and really fostering a great program. I talked with the three of them about uh, some of the benefits of this type of programming, how it helps, how it improves the community and actually builds a better place for a lot of us to call home, uh, and much, much more. You're going to want to stick around for it. It's a great conversation, one that you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for being here. This is probably going to be one of my favorite conversations of the entire year because this is a program that's been around for for a bunch of them, and we didn't even know about it. And it's awesome when we find something uh, new and exciting to talk about. Uh, first things first, we're talking about the the fatherhood connection. Uh, Reggie Cox, founder, uh, talk to us a little bit about how how you got this whole thing. He got this ball rolling. Yeah. Um, so what happened is for me is that it really began to initiate from my upbringing as a child. My father was an alcoholic, his father was an alcoholic, and my father said he wasn't gonna be like him, and and I said I wasn't gonna be like my father, and we, what we saw, we became. And so that began the process of trying to get from those addictive and those patterns of, of abuse and neglect and domestic violence, breaking those cycles. My father today is my hero, um, but there were those times where I couldn't really even approach him. And so from that perspective and that woundedness in my own heart is what established me on a journey to know that I'm not the only guy that have issues with that relationship with the father and the father bond. So with that, um, we ran a fatherhood program for about 12 years in Rochester called the Under the Family Resource Centers of Rochester. And then we had someone come from OCFS, Office of Children and Family Services, say, look, Reg, what you're doing is awesome. It's quiet, it's sighted, nobody knows about it. And so she began to take me into region one and two, eight counties in one and another seven or eight counties in another to educate the staff, CPS, other stakeholders, probation, community directors and stuff like that about the role of the father as it deals with child welfare. And we realized that that was a great thing, but it didn't provide the support groups. How do we refer guides to parenting programs where they can feel that they're not alone and they got some of those struggles and we don't have to mask that. And so that's what we began to do in 2010. We started the Fatherhood Connection. And so um, came to Monroe County that that time they weren't quite ready. And so we went to surrounding counties and they were like, we need this. And so that's kind of how we began doing what we do. And then we've had opportunities um, with the commissioner here to be able to do some great work and develop staff and some mentors and some other facilitators to really make um, Seneca County one of the best groups and a group of staff here in Finger Lakes to um, run the fatherhood program. So to that end, Tracy, let's jump over to you. Uh, your role within the program and how it sort of came to be and, and what that's been like for you watching this this grow the way it has. 
Well, my role originally started off as a caseworker because I was in the child welfare system. Um, now as the commissioner, it, it's a much different role. But as a caseworker, what you see historically in child welfare is you have all females who are in the system <laughs> that are working the system. And then who are they reaching out to? They're reaching out to the females in the households. So really, we don't have a lot of men involved. Um, so this program, what it enabled some of us to do as caseworkers, is connect fathers to other fathers, other males, whether they're fathers or not, to talk about the issues of child welfare and no fatherhood involvement. So I successfully, as a caseworker, saw fathers getting engaged in their children's lives who may have never even met their children. Um, gain custody of their children and eventually had their children living in their households. So it definitely shows a very positive aspect for fathers who need roles in the household. And last but not least? Uh, I, I first got involved also as a caseworker. I was a, a caseworker in preventive services uh, for Seneca County um, and I'd heard about the fatherhood group um, while it in meetings with other counties and from there um, I'd heard about this you know this person named Reggie Cox and the, the wonderful work he was doing in these other counties um, and I brought it back and I and I sold it to our then commissioner um, Charlie Shalasi um, and I convinced Charlie to to go with me down to Livingston County um, to go to Mount Morris and sit in on some of these groups with that Reggie was running down there um, and, Re and Charlie and I both were sold we, we both were thought it would be a great thing that we, if we could bring it back to Seneca County and offer it to the fathers here. Um, and from that grew um, getting um, funding from OCFS to start a first group um, and, and having Reggie come in and, and train us and, and run a group here in Seneca County. Um, and from there, we ran for, for several years, we ran the group um, with co-facilitators with Charlie and myself and some of the other guys uh, co-facilitating groups and having Reggie come in and, and help us out a few times each session um, and now we, we've been able um, to have Reggie come in and, and run the groups for us and run it with us um, and I continue to help co-facilitating um, currently. So to that end let's throw it back to, to Reggie and let's sort of dive into what this actually looks like what what the program actually looks like what it consists of um, and who some of the folks are that you guys are, are sort of uh, working with in the community. Okay, well, um, the, the Fatherhood Connection really is about returning the role of the father to the family, right? He cannot be just that missing wherever MIA dad. And so when we don't have both parents involved, then we have what we call a dysfunctional family. And so we really measure five areas. We measure co-parenting, parental resilience, father and child engagement, the quality of child-parent relationship, and social connection. That's a lot, but really what we're saying is for that father to feel involved and to be engaged with the development and nurturance of that child is huge because what America leads the nations in fatherless homes. Out of all of the other um, countries, we lead. We are number one in fatherless homes. And so we realized that there needed to be some intentional effort as it relates to first, engaging that father, looking at the strengths that the father and the role of the father brings to the table. And once we do that, then how do we strength 
base, encourage him and empower him. And so that's what these 13 weeks do. So we're in the place where family court, um, they now make referrals to our group, right? If there's some issues with domestic violence, anger, or, or like um, I, I believe Tracy had mentioned about if there's need for visitation and custody rights, they need to go through a parenting program so that they can really get the understanding of how to um, and communicate with that child. How do I handle my anger? How do I deal with that resilience of wanting to disconnect because they're not feeling that I'm accepted? If we just talked about blended families alone, in 2010, there were almost 1,300 blended families every day. In 2019, it has doubled. So you can almost expect for blended families to be the common nature of a family today instead of it 10, 15 years ago where you wouldn't even consider it was awkward. So we're seeing that guys go through the 13 week, get a certificate, and it's recognized not only by the courts, but they're empowered to be able to look at anger, look at the boy. We talk about the boy versus the man. And those issues are important. The boy is a two-year-old toddler, right? That when he doesn't get his knees met, he spazzes out, Josh, right? And so the man is the one that snitches on the boy, puts the boy in check, right? Because he, if he doesn't get put in check, he'll bully that man and cause respect responsibilities and consequences where the man ends up crying. Mm -hmm. Now, to that end, obviously, you talked about the complexity of the of the different issues and how it's kind of a, a wave of there's a lot of stuff you're trying to, to get across as you're uh, going through the, these classes. Uh, I'm wondering what the presentation looks like or how it uh, how it's presented in a way that is sort of easily digestible because obviously it's successful, it's worked, it's worked in multiple places, so there must be something to the formula that you guys have going on that's working. Yes. And so, did you want to hit that or you want to I can, um, if that works. Um, you know, we start out each group, you know, we sit in a, in a, in a, large, in a large room. We use the, the, there's a conference room at the county office building that we utilize. Um, we, we start with introductions typically. Um, we also provide dinner for the guys, so it's it's really a non-formal type of group, where food, we you know we, we feed the gentlemen, we, we make them comfortable, we all sit around together, um, and and every, nobody there has a status above anyone else, and that's made very clear. Yeah. There's there's participants from all walks of life that are in group. Um, myself, I'm a co-facilitator, so I'm there along with them. Um, and we start off with introductions. We, we talk about how many children we have. We talk about, um, you know, a teachable moment we may have. And typically each group we have a question of the day which will relate to the topic of the day. Normally one of, you know, if it's co-parenting, it'll be a question regarding co-parenting. Um, and then we'll, we'll go around and we'll talk about it. And we'll talk in a very frank manner. Um, it's not a therapy group, so we're not, you know, forcing members to, to you know, to disclose things that they're not comfortable talking about. Um, and then, and we have uh, typically there's a with the topic there's material that we have, and typically there's a PowerPoint presentation that we'll go through, and we'll discuss um, parts of that um, material as we're going through, um, and and have frank discussions as a group, and we'll you know you'll get different points of view from different people from different walks of life, um, and that's you know, that's a big part of it that, and that's part of that engagement where members feel as yes. a brotherhood um, rather than being something that they're being forced to go to. Um, and I think that's why we've had people that have um, gone through this program, 
you know, we've got guys that have been going through it since the very beginning, since 2014, and they haven't missed a session since. And they're continuing to come because they enjoy it, not because anyone tells them they have to be there, not because, I mean, we have guys that collect their their diplomas at the end of the 13-week program um, just because they, they like to say that they have them, um, you know, and it's... It, that's that feels good, and yeah. and, it, and they enjoy and, and they enjoy telling the newer guys, hey, listen, I've been here, I've been coming, you know, this is my fifth year, and I and I like being here. And so to that end, how much of addressing this issue, uh, and it sounds just from what you're saying that if this is the case, is about building community, and developing something that inner relationships between different folks who may not have known each other prior to, that keeps them going even beyond you know as you said collection of diploma yes so so we definitely encourage um, vulnerability and transparency right and so um, there's no big eyes as, as, as Don was saying there's no big eyes and little you so even if I'm a facilitator or Don at the end of the day I don't care how many letters behind your name what kind of car you drive what house you live in how much money's in your bank account you can have all that and still be unhealthy father right. we've seen guys who are great fathers and lousy husbands and we've seen the vice versa <laughs> great husbands and lousy fathers so we really talk about transparency and vulnerability and if you can't be able to you know again snitch on the little boy in us if you can't tell on him then you're gonna feel awkward being in the group and one of the things that we find is that guys sometimes won't open up and share unless they're hearing other guys share some vulnerable stuff. Guys will break down and cry in our group, man. They won't go to a therapist and talk about this. They won't go to rehab or if they need to go to rehab, they'll break down and cry in that group. And now they'll work with that caseworker. They'll go to mental health. They'll go to the, I've got, we've got guys that have come from church and got a good marriage. But after they come to that group, they realize, whoa, I got some stuff I need to work on. We have one guy that um, was in prison for 10 years and he really didn't know how to even what to say to his daughter when he got out you know because he was missing and um he we encouraged him after that one time he came to the group right he went and made the phone call and he got cussed out by his daughter but we encourage them as a family unit, a family form, to be consistent. One of the things that we talk about often is that the way that you build trust is consistency over time. So I have to sustain my effort to reconcile that relationship. And what he did, he kept staying on it and kept calling her, texting her, et cetera, even though he got cussed out less frequently. Um, he eventually got it to the point where she was getting ready to have a, uh, her child and she invited him invited dad to come at that baby shower and he cried in the group right because that was the goal so those type of things are happening on a regular basis where that guy because we're talking about father hunger her father hunger is twofold it's not only the father looking for its seed and feeling the need to nurture his seed but it's the seed the child looking for father and that piece right there affects us in our adult lives if we don't have the proper nurturance. So obviously it sounds like communication is a pretty big part of this. Um, mm -hmm. But to that end, you mentioned patterns and breaking patterns earlier. And I'm, I'm curious, um, what, how important is communication and that transparency to actually breaking the, the patterns of that bad behavior, of the behavior that wasn't healthy or that wasn't working before? 
Good question. I, we believe that you first got to be out of denial. I can't be if I if I need to go to rehab. I can't be saying I'm all right. I'm you know I'm good. I'm good. No, you need some help, dude. Right. And so many a times we've had to and Donna touched this that many times we have to be able to get out of the denial. Yo, I'm hurting, man. And so we talk about reinterpreting the cry. Right. You, we ask a guy when the last time he cried. He hadn't cried 10, 15, 20 years. Right. So we have to reinterpret the cry. Just because there's no water coming down your eyes doesn't mean that you're not crying. When you go back to old behavior, when you go back to a behavior that really um, promotes unhealthy, risk-taking involvement, you're crying. So we address crying based on how we cope with our frustrations, our stresses, and things of that nature. And so when we look at it from that perspective, then we can talk about patterns and habits and things that we're doing. Um, we talk about how every father, right, inspires at least 10, 5 to 10 other people, right? And they love you. You are the hero. There are guys that want, kids that want to see their father, cause even if they're in jail. I just want to see my dad. I don't care if I got to go to jail to see them. That's the hunger from the child wanting to be connected with that father. And so if that father doesn't know how to affirm, approve, and celebrate others, then he's struggling because he probably never got affirmation, approval, and celebration. So, uh, Tracy, I, I, I want to ask is how inspiring is it to see something like this working in Seneca County when it seems like the prototype might have actually been built in Monroe County or in a, in a more urban center where um, programs like this are, are more quickly Good filled questions. up and quickly yeah. uh, classes aren't, aren't left empty. It's a little mm -hmm. harder to get people engaged on mm -hmm. a place like Seneca County, right? It is definitely harder in rural counties to get people to show up to these programs. And I think that's why uh, when I became commissioner a year ago and we were struggling a little bit with our attendance and I said to the guys when they came and asked me, can we bring Reggie back? because he was not with us for a while. I said, go ahead, let me find the money. I'll figure out the money and bring him back. Because as you can see, Reggie's very passionate about this. And we need people like Reggie and Don and some of the other guys in the group to be passionate, to reach out to these folks who need it. Um, and one thing you know, that Reggie's been able to do is some of these guys who started with him, you know, they, they've gone through those problems, successfully reached out to their children, but there's still things that are going to come back. Yes. Their children are going to get older and they're going to have different life events happening and that's going to create some things for these fathers to have to deal with. And I think that's what they're probably experiencing now with those folks who continue to come back. Yes. So I, I think bringing Reggie back was great for us. Um, we have some increased numbers uh, and hopefully we can continue to see that. Now, to that end, obviously, we talked about the sort of the duration of what the program looks like, that kind of thing. Um, when you look at a place, Reggie, uh, like Seneca County, is there any different approach to how, th to how things function compared to executing a class like this in a place like Rochester or Syracuse or even Monroe County in general where there just are simply more people and possibly more interest? That's a good question. Um, and I think Doc can also help me with this. Um, we've struggled sometimes with transportation. Those would be some barriers, right? Yeah. And so, because you're so wide out and it's harder to come together. But the guys are really, along with Don, <laughs> right, and Mike Worley and some of the other guys, they actually would go and pick them up, right? Mm -hmm. We'll carpool and we'll get guys there. But once we get there, the, the passion, the vulnerability, it's all the same. 
I don't care if we're talking about um, a group of guys that are mostly, you know, Caucasian or a group of guys that are mostly African American. It doesn't matter because issues are real. And when you get to those gut wrenching issues, you forget who else is in the group because we've not talked about this, right? We're not addressing some of these things. And so um, it's just, I think the, the demographics may be a little bit different, but um, our ability, once we get them in the group, it's all the same. A man, you know, has struggles. Um, I might not, I might be strong in this area, but you're stronger in another area than I am. And we can secure that. We can support the fact that, look, it's okay for me to struggle in these particular areas. There are six areas that are directly impacted by fatherlessness. Right. You're talking about crime, you're talking about poverty, you're talking about substance abuse, you're talking about teenage pregnancy, education, academic um, in, in, um, involvement, you're talking about physical. You know how many guys struggle with just talking about saying I love you, showing affection? No, I'll do it with my daughter and my wife. That's it. So guys don't need affection. <laughs> and so we have to break some paradigms because that's the way that we were taught. So we have to unlearn some things because it, it didn't create an approachability. My father had this one flag, right? And I'm going to be quiet. My father had this one flag, right? And he had it rather I'm right or wrong, I'm still the boss. I hated that flag. For one, we didn't even have nobody play the piano because it was on top of the piano. But but more importantly, I couldn't approach him. If I felt that his view or his 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 his, his decision would be different than mine, I couldn't go and share. I didn't have a voice. And what we're finding in our 21st century is that many kids don't have a voice. And so when they get away from the parent in the family structure, they don't know how to act because they do have a voice and there's it's there's no filter. And so we're learning how to work that through. And, and is there a bit of a learning curve for folks on the outside of a program? <coughs> Excuse me, a program like this, uh, where they might be saying, "What? They don't have a voice? Everybody has a, it's 2019. Everybody has a voice. Everybody's chirping on Facebook, on Twitter, on every kind of social platform you can imagine. How could how could these people not have a voice? And with great people working in, in social services." How could they're not? How could these kids not have a voice? But are these adults, what become adults, not have a voice? Yeah, and I'm gonna say a little bit. I'm gonna pass it over to Don. Uh, what we're finding that they're expressing themselves, but they're not expressing themselves as a unit, a family dynamic, a unit, a healthy unit. So, in other words, what we would talk about, especially, I don't say, I don't know if it's more prevalent in the urban cities, but when we talk about family, we're talking about at least two pillars. Love, well, three, love, acceptance, and safety, right? If I get love, acceptance, and safety from any family form, rather be work-related, rather be um, sports-related, rather be music-related, rather be business-related, right? If I can get love, acceptance, and safety, I feel that I'm a part of. We have kids. We run a boys and men group, ages 13 and 21. When they don't feel love, acceptance, and safety, they'll join a gang just for love, acceptance, and safety. So when we look at this, we find that now we're getting ready to start that here in Seneca County to work with our youth. These kids are coming from residential services. Many of them are on pins, right? Because they didn't get what? Right. Love, acceptance, and the safety. Right, the basic fundamentals. You got it, Josh. You want to add anything to that? Uh, I was just gonna say, some of the, you know, some of the things that we teach the guys, um, 
you know, we, we, we have topics that, you know, revolving around um, family court issues that guys may not know about, yes. that we try to educate them about. Um, you know, a lot of men have no idea how to, how to go through the family court system to give visitation with their children. Um, we hit on topics where um, have no idea how to, um, how to navigate that system, and it can be very difficult. You know, the layperson who hasn't worked in the family court system may have no idea. Um, so we, in the past, we've brought in family court attorneys that can sit down and, and break it down mm -hmm. and explain to men, right. you know, this is how you file for visitation. This yes. is how you file for custody. This is how you, you really, um, you know, exercise your rights as a father um, and that you have those rights. And, um, and, and I spend a lot of time because I have a lot of experience dealing with, um, you know, the and we're all while working in the, for the Department of Social Services, um, and giving guys advice on things to not do and things to do to help make their their lives easier in family court. Yeah. Um, you know, not not causing, not giving people ammunition to use against them is a big one. Right. You know, not saying things on social media or, or through text messages that can come back and be used <laughs> later on. Um, that's just a good example. Um, but that's some of the things that we talk about. And, and, and guys just don't know this stuff. People on the street, you know, they don't know, you know, what they shouldn't do. And sometimes that ignorance can really have lasting effects, can really cause them um, a lot of damage in the long run. And, and I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that um, the the text mess the digital the the sort of the technical side of all of this I would imagine there's some element of that where there is a little bit of catching up in terms of uh, showing folks the sort of the, the right behaviors as opposed to some of the ones that can be detrimental yes mm -hmm. absolutely um, one of the things that we really try and pride ourselves in and this is why I believe that the local Department of Social Services in this case Seneca County is so instrumental because they're connected with all of the other stakeholders, right? So you have the faith-based, you have probation, you have, um, you know, um, you have all the provincial, you have your CPS workers, you have so many other people that are connected. And so they bring a supporting cast when it comes down to holistically trying to address that father or address that youth. Um, and so that expression for the youth or the participants they don't always feel comfortable because you're not invested always in the relationship. And so those are the things that we're trying to strengthen is that, again, are you approachable? If so, do you feel that I'm here to support you, right? And a lot of times, guys are coming from a perspective of, you're trying to take my kid, right? Or you're trying to hold me you know, hostage. There are systemic barriers that we still are working through, even with judges and family court and all that stuff. and and. The mother, the gatekeeper, how do we address that? If she doesn't like it, that father, she doesn't hurt. And so now she's feeling some kind of way about that. And she will not let that child see their father for whatever reason, right? But she's angry with them. How do we navigate those systemic barriers? What do we do? Where do we talk about these issues? And so I think that putting it out here and being able to say, okay, this is my struggle. You know, and the guys, you know, he's not going to report domestic violence. He's not going to report a vulnerability. You know, he's, hey, I'm all right. I'm good. You're not all right. You're not good. You're hurting, man. And so being able to find that voice again for a guy to feel that he can be heard and he can address that and he can talk to different people about supporting him and, and getting the services and the needs met is huge, right? Instead of feeling abandoned. I mean, abandonment is big. We don't talk about abandonment. 
We don't talk about rejection. We don't talk about um, feeling shame and feeling guilty. We don't address that stuff. And so in our groups, we address it all. So to that end, I'm curious, how do you empower folks to actually sort of grab and, and sort of grasp what they're feeling and not stuff it away somewhere in a dark place, but actually hold it out there and be like, yes, this right here, this is me, this is me like it or leave it doesn't matter but i'm dealing with it maybe i could yeah. is that part of the is that part Absolutely. of the whole process and we, we touched on this earlier that you know there's a there's a part of vulnerability and yes. and i and i kind of sometimes i end up being the poster child in, in group <laughs> as the in, in kind of model the vulnerability because i don't i don't mind you know talking about you know my issues that i may have had a, as a father or with my own father or the struggles I may have being a, you know, a young father, I'm not so young, but being a father, having a, a young child. Um, so I don't have, I kind of model that for the guys and I don't mind taking that role on. Um, and, and I find that that opens up the, the communication in group and they see somebody else, you know, whether I'm wearing a badge or not, um, they see somebody who's willing to be vulnerable and talk yes. about their issues, Huge. and and though I I don't go, you know I don't go in depth. I don't you know cross certain boundaries, but I don't mind talking about you know what's going on in my own life and the struggles that I'm having as a father. And I use that, and for me it's therapeutic because right. I get to go to a group once yeah. a week, and I get to sit down with a bunch of other guys and talk about the struggles I'm having in real life. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm modeling for them and hopefully encouraging them to do the same so so my next question i want to throw i actually want to throw it to all you guys um it seems like the the protocol or the the ideal protocol would be getting this getting these uh, behaviors into uh, men at a young age um, mm -hmm. is that when we really start to see social shift in terms of uh, how well it's working and and the, some of the tangible uh, realities of that when we start to see you know kids under 10 years old actually grappling appropriately with what they're feeling and boys mm -hmm. being able to learn that at a young age yes I don't know if you want to hit anything on that if, if I, you want to it's not. as a mother you know who has three teenagers I would say probably fifth and sixth grade yeah. for boys and girls because that's where you see the struggle with communicating with their peers with their parents and they usually at that time that's when they really start access yeah. with social media as well yeah. and whether it's appropriate interaction with social media or not um, but that's where you really see it at least in my experience as a mom yeah Frederick Douglass had a quote or a question and he said um, is it easier to build strong boys or to repair broken men and so when we look at that, I realize that I'm working with both populations. Because in Reggie, right, I still got a little boy in there that may have been wounded. And I'm pulling layers off of layers still today, man, in my adult life that's been wounded and needs to be bringing closure to. And so if I can do that, Don can do that, right? People that they consider are whatever, okay, then it opens the door. We now every man becomes a teacher. It takes a life in and of itself. So yes, we have to look at prevention. 
We have to be able to try and build up those skills before the exposure to things. I mean, kids that are in foster care, they're already addressing issues of abandonment. They're institutionalized. It, again, it costs $130,000 just for one year for a kid, and that's only, that's the minimum. Don't let him have to go back to other sources. He's getting over $200,000 for one year for one kid in residential services. And so now we have to talk about line items, knowing how huge fatherlessness is, and we don't put line items to that. Well, in every county, we have at least one kid every year going back to the home. That's taking care of at least almost 130 to 200,000. I don't get the math. I, it's like a no-brainer to me, right. right? And so this is why it's important for us to train other men, right, and to go into these other counties and look for opportunities where we can establish a rapport with other men and build them up and go let him go to his family and become a resource. Say, hey, I dropped the ball. You know what? I realized that I didn't understand that domestic violence was, I didn't hit her, so I didn't think it was domestic violence. But now he's educated. He used to hold back money. He used to clock her every place she went, trying to, where are you going? You know, he used to threaten her, verbal and emotional abuse. He didn't know that that's, that's what his father did. So educating them and being able to talk about our own struggles, we then cause, uh, again, a life in and of itself in the group. And in our youth group, we talk about bullying and cyberbullying. And that if you're, not, if you're picking at a kid, then you're bullying them. And how does that feel to be bullied? We'll ask a guy, how does that feel? And they'll go in and talk about, this is how I felt. Da, da, da. And now they're addressing issues with pens. They're addressing, they don't, they're not responsible in school. They're not responsible in the community. They're not responsible at home. So these are some of the measurements that we're looking to impact, right? If we can work with them now and catch them early, right? Build a support mechanism that they can begin to be held accountable in a loving and a positive way. One last thing I want to say. Many times, fathers don't realize, and I can say parents, don't realize that we're, we're um, provoking the child to become defiant. We have the right intent, Josh, but the method is wrong. Right, we mean well, but our our lack of, of of good communication skills is really talking about the kid, and the kid feel that you're saying I'm not good. So we have to learn how to separate the difference between the person, right, and the behavior. And the boy does not have the skills to separate, right, the the, the behavior from the person, and we address that. And we'll, I'll, I'll come in and say, you know what, I got on my daughter, I, I'm a father of 10, I don't know if you do that, five boys and five girls. So I got on the road, I got on my daughter and I messed up, man, this is what I said, you know, and she had to remind me that I, that that was wrong what you did. Why did you, and she can feel comfortable telling me that I was wrong, you know, and I feel like you owe me apology. Back in my time, you would not say that to your mother or father, man. You might get knocked down. But that's why it's, it changes lives, man. That's what we're doing. We're changing lives right there in the trenches. So I want everybody just to, to sort of think five, ten years from now. Um, what does this problem, this issue, look like uh, with this kind of work happening mm. on the ground? Um, what, what do you sort of, what's your gut feeling on, on Tracy, we can start with you, um, how we feel it's going to look at that point? At that point, I would say I'd like to see more men being able to reach out to other men 
to get them more involved yes. in their children's lives. That that's what I'd really like to see, instead of a, a couple men or caseworkers because they've seen the program work successfully reaching out. I'd like to see men in the group actually reaching out to other men in their communities and say, hey, this is a great group. I know you may or may not be involved with child welfare, but come in and you know, I, I think you'd really like that. So that's what I would like to see happening. Don? I'd like to see it, like Tracy said, be more of an accepted um, program and, and being something that's that's grown and established in the community, something that um, you know that that is known about and and utilized by by more guys and and can continue to grow. Um, I, I'd like to see in the next five years, um, you know, us run into the problem that we're having too many guys and we have to have it more than once a week, mm -hmm. or that we have to find a bigger space for it, or you know, I, I'd like to have now. those problems. I like um, that. Yeah. You know that. But I, but I, I think we're getting there, and I think we're we're continuing to grow. Um, I, I see um, more and more we're being utilized by um, the criminal courts. Are 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 sending guys to groups. Um, they're refer making referrals to our group um, based on issues that they've had that led to you know as part of their sentence. They're being um, they're being sent to our group to complete it along with stuff like anger management so it's being there they know that it's in existence and in the our district attorney's office is is thinking outside the box at, and you know and utilizing us in that fashion um is good and and so i i hopefully that'll continue hopefully we'll continue to get you know referrals from family court and hopefully um you know probation will send guys and, and dss and will all these different areas where you know, we could really be of a, a service to the community, yeah, yeah. and hopefully that'll continue to grow. So just to quickly piggyback off of that, I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, if we're talking about rehabilitation, which ultimately that's what, what's supposed to happen after a sentence uh, is, is handed out, isn't this the type of, of service or thing that has to exist? Is it, isn't that like fundamental, like just going to jail is not going to simply sure. fix the problem <laughs> This program is pretty important, right? And, and and to add to that, I mean, we have this group. This group runs in the jail mm -hmm. also. So, and we've had several guys that have participated in the program that's held weekly in the jail um, that get out of jail, um, which, you know, frequently guys are only in there for a short period of time. Right. And then they get out and they've come to the community group um, and continued. Because um, they've seen how, you know, they enjoyed it in the jail, and then they continue to participate once they get out of jail. And I think that's a really, you know, I don't know of any other counties that have this in their jail. Um, and I think it's a great asset that we're able to offer it. Um, and, and it's it's shown that it that it's working, and it's shown yeah. that, you know, the, by having guys who have done it inside, and nothing's forcing them typically is mandating them to then participate once they get out of jail. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But they continue to come back and participate. And it's funny, we hear it in human service. Anytime I sit down with anybody in human services at all, it's the wraparound. You need wraparound yeah. services, Absolutely. period. Yeah. Um, so, Reggie, sort of taking all that into account, uh, five, ten years could see some serious improvement, right? Yeah, that's our goal. Our, our goal is, I mean, we're seeing it, but it's been really knocking on doors. I mean, just to give an illustration, um, we are now, uh, we're in seven counties, other counties, right? 
But I had to constantly knock on the commissioner's door to say that there's a need for this. 24 million is the number of children being raised in homes without the biological father there. I don't believe that I should have to knock as hard on the door to say that this is a need and a demand. I mean, it's a no-brainer. And so um, for me to really be able to look at counties that not supporting what we're doing, right? They're counties right next door to us. You know, Let's I don't want to call them out. Let's call them out. <laughs> All right, okay. yeah, I'm good for that. Let's do it. Uh, Ontario, Wayne County, I've been knocking on the doors. Um, Onondaga County, we've been knocking on the doors. How do we get in to provide these services? Um, Don talked about the jail. I'm connected with a person in the jails and that oversees about maybe 10 to 15 jails. They want me to do it free, but I can't do that free. No, put some money behind that. Let's train up and let, let's have a, 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 a in-house fatherhood connection and then a community outside right. so that we reduce the recidivism rates because they've already built relationships and have some tools in their toolbox so that they don't just try and hit, fix everything with a hammer. They need more tools. So the surrounding counties, they, it is interesting to me because they know that without having a healthy, productive father, where their lives would be, but yet in that role, you're not seeing that we need to do something and put something in place to engage and to help the fathers who are needing the help. And so these surrounding counties, I don't understand that. I just don't get it's it. In, it's interesting because full disclosure, I'll say, you know, I've had plenty of discussions on this podcast uh, about mental health and substance abuse. And we constantly hear that it has to be a regional approach. There has to be a regional approach to these issues. And this doesn't seem that much different than the rest of them, um, but it does seem a little peculiar that there isn't buy-in from every single county. Um, of course, budgeting is budgeting, but at the end of the day, it, it seems like it's, it's something that works. So just one last time um, for, for our listeners and for everybody watching, uh, walk us through how, how someone can get involved with what you guys are doing with the awesome work that you guys are doing. So we have referral forms, and if I miss anything, you guys help me out. We have referral forms, um, and we send them out. So a group will go 13 weeks, and um, we'll go ahead, and we have open enrollment right now. So a guy can enroll at any time. We treat it as if a person was on maybe using substance abuse, and he's motivated to change. We believe in changing lives. So if he's motivated to change now, we're not going to say wait till the next 13 week group. Come. And we believe that once that guy comes one time, we're able to engage him in such a way that he's going to want to come back, right? And so we do the referral forms. we really not as good as really putting it out there in the marketplace as far as social media. That's an area that we really want to get better with. Um, hit, hit, Josh. <laughs> right? We want to get better at the social media piece um, and being able to do it. But we want to train other fathers to do this. It's too big. It's too big of an epidemic to try and have one person, two people, three people do this, right? And so every county needs to have a group of fatherhood connection and so that we can go ahead and, and, and um, train other trainers to do the same type of work. So that's what we're looking at doing now, is that people coming together, putting some line items, putting some money behind this, so that we can meet the masses that, that are directly impacted of, by, about these issues of, of fatherlessness. And it works. It does. It's proven. It does. All right. Well, I appreciate the time, guys. Obviously, a really interesting conversation. We'll definitely be having you back. I think next time we need to actually have uh, some of your success stories. 
uh, join us yeah. and, and actually we'll, we'll be part of this conversation. Bring a bunch of guys with us. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward. Thanks so much. Thanks. Absolutely. It's fun, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's show. Remember, new episodes drop every Thursday on FingerLakesOne.com. And of course, all are available on the FingerLakesOne.com app and on your favorite streaming platform. Be well, and I'll talk to you guys next week. 